For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For, the, uh, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you who are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Right. Good morning, uh, Flourishing Grace. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Josh Gardner. I'm the minister to students um, here. Uh, and I am excited about being with you this morning because we are in between sermon series, which basically means I get to preach whatever I want. So, uh, no, but uh, actually, I am really excited about this morning. Um, <clears throat> uh, and there's actually like a nerve-wrackingness to being able to preach whatever you want. Um, but here's what's uh, amazing about it this morning is uh, I, this morning what I want to do is I want to show you a little bit of my heart for our students. I feel like sometimes in, in churches in general the student ministry is kind of over there doing its thing and it's crazy and you're like cool and like I trust what's going on there is great but I want to give you a little of my heart of, of our student ministry and then also this morning uh, we are uh, going over this text in Galatians because this semester um, at midweek, our, our worship night for students, uh, we're going through a series called Freedom in Jesus. Freedom in Jesus. And so I kind of want to give you a little bit of a taste of what the students are going to be getting this semester. And I hope, my hope is that it's, it's really helpful for you as well, especially as we move forward with this year. Um, and so a little bit about myself. I know for some of you who've been around, you've, you've heard some of these bits and pieces, so bear with me. But um, when I was a student, um, when I was in middle school, high school, um, I had some really uh, important people in my life uh, who just poured into me um, and, and showed me who Jesus was. Um, before, again, if you've heard me preach, I've probably talked about this, but my parents were super influential in this. Both my parents were first-generation Christians, like their parents weren't Christians. Um, and really, bottom line, my, my parents just... Um, made Jesus the priority of everything that we did. Like, I, growing up, I, I knew that Jesus was the priority of, of their hearts. Like, I saw, uh, my dad is an engineer, um, and he was doing contract work for a long time, and I would see him get a job, it was great, lose it, get a job, lose it. Like, I would see, like, my dad had two heart attacks growing up. There were some things that went on where I saw the good and the bad in it. And throughout that, the theme stayed the same is that Jesus was 
the, pr- the primary focus of their hearts. Uh, they loved Jesus. Love Jesus. They still do. They love Jesus. Um, but then also, uh, specifically when I was in high school, I had some men who just came alongside me um, and really invested in my life week, week to week and even outside of church activities. Um, they modeled for me what it looked like to follow Jesus. Um, there's one guy, uh, his name's Sean Shope, um, amazing guy. He's a VP of a bank, um, and he just loves Jesus. He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, you walk around town with him and everyone knows him. And I lived in not a small town, like a, a big place, and e- I swear, every time, or I could be in a different state, someone would be like, Sean Shope? Like, he was that kind of guy because he just was so loving. And, and everyone that knew him knew he loved Jesus. Everyone. Um, <clears throat> And he just invested in my life. He um, modeled what it looked like to follow Jesus. Um, no joke, actually, this week, um, like I had already had this written into my sermon, and he called me on Wednesday, which is crazy. I was at Costco. He calls me, and he's like, hey, Josh, how's it going? He's just checking up on me. Like These men in my life who just showed me what it looked like to love Jesus and, and make Jesus the priority of your life. Um, and my youth pastor as well. My youth pastor cared for us deeply. Um, and he, uh, he showed us what it looked like to follow Jesus. My, my wife was actually in the same student ministry as me her senior year. I won't say, oh, oh no, okay, cool, whoa, back up, sorry. I'll try that at the 11. Um, the, uh, anyway, wow. Um, but we, uh, we ended up, like he was so close to us that he ended up officiating our wedding too, five years later. Um, and so, uh, man, but there were just so many people in my life who were constantly there, just showing me, uh, just showing me the love of Jesus over and over again. And so, I, it's funny because when I went off to college, um, when I f- went off to college, I, I continued to kind of seek these type of discipleship relationships out, even though I didn't even really necessarily know that that's what was happening um, in the moment. But in college, I continued to seek these kind of relationships out because they were so important to my life. Like, I realized that I needed men in my life who would look at me and say, hey, I want to help you follow Jesus, and here's the ways that you can do that. And then they would model for me. They they weren't perfect. (laughs) They messed up all the time. There were things in their lives, but they would model for me what it looked like to repent and to, to walk in freedom, like to walk in the joy of the freedom of Jesus, Right? And so I was blessed with uh, just this over and over and over again. That these people who just continued to show me that there was joy fully, uh, or there, there was this immense joy in fully giving my life over to Jesus. And that no matter what situation um, these men were in, um, that there was joy and freedom in Jesus that was not matched by anything else in the world. Nothing else in the world could match the joy that they had. Um, and, and as I began to be around these men, I, I began to see what we see um, in, uh, in um, you know, Ecclesiastes when Solomon uh, is talking about how the things of the world are just kind of nothing. They're, they're vapor. They're hevel. Like they're just, they're there and they're gone. Uh, or the, 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 the writers of the New Testament would say, but Jesus is everything. And, and I begin to actually see that in my life and in their lives. Um, and so, fast forward to me being here as the minister of students, this is like a lot of, 
uh, my passion for our students, is that they would have people in their lives who love Jesus and would just model that for them, um, that we would help parents to do that as well, not to be perfect, but just to step out there and say, uh, to show your kids Jesus as well. And that leads us to the sermon series that we're doing this semester. This semester, like I said, we're doing a sermon series called Freedom in Jesus. And how there is a joy, there's a joy that is unmatched in the freedom that Jesus gives us in the gospel. Um, and so what I want to do this morning, um, yeah, so, so what I want to do this morning is I, I want to look into uh, Galatians chapter 5 because Jesus, I'm sorry, because Paul here talks about this amazing freedom that we have in Jesus. But he's talking to a people that have believed in the gospel who have believed they know the gospel, they know what Jesus has done for them, but um, there are parts of their lives where uh, they're not acting as if they were free from the things that Jesus has freed them from. Um, and so, and I think this uh, affects our students, but it also affects us as a people, that we believe these things, but then we kind of do this thing where we know that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we know that Jesus has fully taken our place on the cross. His death and resurrection has done away with our sin. We've been washed clean. And, and really, the jail door of our life has been blown off, right? But for some reason, we sit in the cell and we even cling to the, to the bench in the cell. We cling to it and we sit there when there's freedom in front of us. Um, and I, I, I kind of think this is why we are lacking sometimes some joy in our lives. So, um, kind of to give you some context of Galatians, uh, the church in Galatia, again, these were people that um, knew Jesus as a church that was planted there, but now there were people um, in Galatia going around kind of saying, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need to do kind of the things that the law said as well. So adding to the gospel, adding to, uh, so not just the death and resurrection of Jesus, but yeah, you need to believe in that, but also you need to be circumcised. You need to do these things in the law uh, to actually be justified, to actually be saved, to actually have freedom of Jesus. That's the only way. And, and Paul here just combats that. If you've ever read the book of Galatians, it's a very harsh book. Um, but it's a harsh from, a, from, a, from someone who obviously loves these people, um, but he says things like, you foolish Galatians, like, you're foolish. Here he says, like, those who preach this, I, I want them to emasculate themselves. Like, this, this is harsh things. Uh, and it's so harsh because Jesus is saying, man, by believing this false gospel, you are stealing from what God has given you freely. He's mad. He's mad. Because all of the addition all of the addition actually ends up leading to destruction and death for the people who believe it, um, who believe that, that these things, Jesus plus these things, will set them free. It won't lead to death and destruction. Um, and so this morning, I just want to point out three things in the text that we see and, and three things that Jesus has freed us from, like freed us from, and we can live joyfully in that freedom and walk with him in it. Um, and so the first thing that we see here is that Jesus has set us free from being slaves to empty religion. Being slaves to empty religion. And what I mean by that is uh, this kind of mentality that if I uh, act 
a certain way and I do what God wants and I sit in the right seat and I'm there at the right times and I kind of do all the right things, then I will be accepted by God. If I do all the things, then, um, then I'll be accepted by God. But um, verse, let's look at verse uh, three and four here. It says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Okay, here's, here's, what, here's what Paul is saying here. Um, really, there are two ways to get to God. Hold up, okay? There are two ways to get to God. One is perfectly completing and obeying God's law. Being perfect and obeying God's law. That's one way, okay? And the other is faith fully in Jesus, knowing that you cannot complete the law. You cannot be perfect. You cannot do it. And so Jesus took your place on the cross. He took your penalty that God bound up your sin, the penalty for sin, which is death, and he placed it on Jesus in that moment, and that because of him only, you're set free. But these two ways are mutually exclusive. You can't have both. And here's the deal. They both only have one outcome. The first one, if you try to pursue the first one, you'll never get there. It'll lead you to death. You can't be perfect. You and I cannot be perfect. If we take about three seconds, we can find that out today, right? If you think through your morning, did you sin this morning? <laughs> um, some of you, if you have like five kids, you, might, you probably did, okay? Uh, trying to get here, um, right? Um, but yeah, sin is so pervasive in our lives. Like we cannot, we can't. We have to be honest, we can not. But the beauty is the second one, and only the second one, leads to life, and life fully. Colossians 2, 13 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together uh, with Christ, I'm sorry, with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He said, he, I'm sorry, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him. Uh, tri oh my gosh, sorry. By triumphing over them in him. What Paul is saying here is we were under the legal demands of our sin. The Bible says the penalty for our sin is death. It's death. Because we have sinned against God. God is holy and perfect. And, and, and we have sinned against him and said, no, 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 we want our own way. And now, if we believe in Jesus, that Jesus has taken our sin and, he, and God has nailed that sin to the cross. And then Jesus in his death, in his resurrection, he defeats all of it, right? But... Uh, and then it, when we kind of stay, uh, and, and some people do this, like you, you know this to be true. You know that the gospel is true, that Jesus has died for you and rose from the dead. But then what we do is we begin to think that now it's kind of, my salvation is secure, but now it's kind of my turn to like do the works so that now I can, you know, be whatever God needs me to be. But earlier in Galatians chapter 3, this is what Paul calls out the Galatians for. He says, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What he's saying is, don't, don't act like, okay, God did his piece, and now I'm going to do my piece. 
but say, no, no, every day of my life, I am saved, I am secured, but now every day of my life, my job is to submit myself fully to Jesus and allow the Spirit to move and change me, right? To move and change me. But when we stay enslaved to religion, like when we, begin, when we put ourselves into the cell of religion, we become the most fake people to exist. Like we do. We become such fake people. Because when, we're, when we act like our religion or our uh, morality or the things that we do uh, or, or when someone, when we have to measure ourselves up to God and others around us, then what we end up doing is we project an image in front of us that's stronger than we actually are. Does that make sense? Like, we, we show off, like when we show up here at church and we sh- when we're places, we kind of project a different image, right? Like, maybe in the private, we're like angry and mad and just, ugh, all the time. But in, in front of people, we're like happy and everything's good and everything's fine and, and, and we're polite and yes, we'll help you there and help you there. But in our minds, we, we are just raging with things because we feel like we can't talk about our sin. But when, when we're free from empty religion and we know that Jesus has done the work, now we can be honest about our sin. We say, Jesus has died for my sin, but now I, I can come forward and bring things to the light in front of other people because it's not because of my, uh, my morality or who I am that Jesus has saved me. It's because of his grace alone. So there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. And God calls us to do this. He calls us to expose the darkness to the light, and that it will be lit up, that darkness cannot survive in the light. And this is where, where we really find actual freedom. The second thing that Jesus frees us from that we've seen here is um, changing, uh, changing our behavior. Jesus frees us from changing our behavior out of fear of what God will do to us, right? Changing our behavior out of uh, a fear of what God will do to us. We don't have to live in fear, Right? We don't have to keep looking over our shoulders like, is God going to zap me with lightning because of what I just did or what I did last week or my thoughts? Right? Is God going to strike me down? No. No, because we know because of the cross that God loves us and that he knows we cannot do this and he must. Right? Galatians 5, 5 through 6, you can look there. It says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. This is what works in us, is that that the faith that we have in what Jesus has done because of how much God loves us, how much God loves us, that he sent his own son to die for us, that now it works in us to transform us. It works in us. And it works in us so that we can eagerly await what he says here, the hope of righteousness. Uh, uh, Which means that we actually are excited and find joy in what God has done in us, uh, in the completed work in the end, like whether when uh, when we die and are with God or when Christ returns, that we can look forward to see uh, look forward to see that and be excited and have hope in that. But also, not just that, not just that, but that we can actually have hope every single day that now until then, he walks with us, that he sanctifies us, that he, uh, that he loves us, that he's broken the chains off and he walks 
with us and gives us a purpose and a hope that's beyond ourselves. Um, sometimes I, I do this with our students. I ask them uh, to close their eyes. Um, I won't have you do it, but I'll, if you want to, you can. But I'll have them close their eyes and I'll ask, okay, look in your mind, look at God. Just look at him for a second. Look at his face. What is his face towards you? Is he mad? Is he happy? Is he, what is he? Um, and that tells you a lot of how you view God. Um, because if you are in Christ, God is smiling at you. He has nothing but love and affection for you. He cares for you deeply. And, and not that he doesn't if you're not in Christ, but if you are not in Christ, the penalty for sin is still death. And God is a good and righteous judge, and he will judge. But he's given you, he extends life to you freely. But if you are in Christ, you are called a son or daughter of God. So you may sin today, but that sin is covered, and he loves you. And so there's freedom in this. There's freedom. Lastly, lastly, Jesus frees us from being our own God. Being our own God. Jesus frees us, sets us free from being our own God. See, the world offers various slaveries um, that kind of masquerade as freedom. Right? Like the world offers all these, like, these things that will enslave us, but they masquerade as freedom. Um, and what I mean by that is if the world, um, the world offers all these things that kind of act like they, um, if once we acquire them, once we have them, it sounds like we will be set free. Right? So, for instance, if, you know, if I have X amount of dollars in the bank accounts, um, or if I have this amount of money, then I'll be free to do what I want, um, I'll end up, um, then I, uh, th yeah, then, then I can do what I want, and I, I don't need to worry about, you know, other people taking care of me, or I don't need to worry about that, and, and now that's bad, is what I'm saying, but when we make that thing our God, um, when we kind of pick and choose our God, and we decide on something, uh, then what we end up doing is uh, we, we end up worried constantly that we're going to lose it, we hoard it, we trust in it uh, more than anything else. Um, and I use money as an example, but it's anything. Status, fame, uh, uh, moment, uh, momentary satisfaction, uh, sexual pleasure. I mean, like, all, all these different things, right? And, and the reason why I say being our own God is because the world has kind of offered, like, you choose which one is going to be kind of your, the thing that's going to set you free, and then you go towards it. But if we, again, if we take just a moment to think about this, and we think about the people in our society who have achieved those things, like have gotten to the max amount of money or the max amount of fame or the max amount of these things, uh, they're not happy. Like we are the most depressed, anxious, medicated society ever, right? And, and to be honest, like we all, like if you live in America, you have most of, most of what you need for the most part, you have pretty much everything you need, and you have a lot of what we want, right? We have a lot of what we want, and yet we are, those things are not satisfying. They just end up leading us into enslavement to more and more and more of that thing, whether it's a thing or an ideology or a lifestyle. But Jesus, by the blood of Christ, he sets us free from having to chase after these things. You know, Paul says, Whatever situation I'm in, like, I'm content. I'm good. He's not just saying that. He's saying, 
I've been high, like I've been, I've had a lot, I've had a little, right? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Christ, Christ is all, and I can, I can live. It doesn't matter, right? And, and he's not making that up, obviously, if you look at his life, right? Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I think this one, this set free from being our own God, this is one of the ones that we cling to the chair of the jail cell pretty tightly, I think. Because our society is swimming, or our society is really, the water of our society is made up of being your own God, right? And so you at work and with your friends, your neighbors, that's what's happening around you. And so it's so easy for us to come in on Sundays and sing songs about the gospel and believe it, but then go out into our lives and kind of live the same as our neighbors. Like live lives that we're just chasing after the things around us. But Jesus sets us free, and he sets us free from that to not have to gratify the desires of our flesh um, and, having, uh, and, and uh, giving us back the purpose that we were designed for. Like, we were designed to walk with God. Like, I mention this to students all the time, but I love in Genesis where it says that God went to go walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. I love that. Because that's what they were designed for. They were designed for relationship with God and then, and then them taking care of his creation and reflecting his image to everything. And that's still our job. And because of Jesus, he sets us free to be able to do that. And we can find full satisfaction and joy and fulfillment in that. We have complete access to God through Jesus. We have complete access to a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit. God himself dwells in you if you're a follower of Jesus. He dwells in you to transform your heart day by day, moment by moment, to be more like him, to transform your desires from yours to what God desires. Because God has designed us, God has designed, uh, God's design and God's desires for us are good and right and best for us. Um, Titus 3, Paul says this to Titus. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures. Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to hope the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. It's clear. It's because of what Jesus has done. Because of his death and resurrection, he has brought us as heirs of eternal life that we can look past. We are set free from looking at our lives. Like however many years we have on this earth, we can actually look past that and see the future of what God is going to do. And we can look past that in looking into our lives for the things that are eternal, 
in our lives. Not spending our days, spending our time, spending our treasure on the things that will pass away, that will rust, that, that moth will destroy, like everything that, uh, all the things that will be gone when, we're, when we are gone. We're free from having to, to hold those things, to find those things, and we're free to pursue the eternal. There's this freedom and there's this joy, and that means no matter what happens, we can have joy in it. Um, so we're set free from being our own God. We're set free. Jesus sets us free from being our own God. We no longer have to desire, or we don't, no longer have to chase our own desires, but we can, uh, <laughs> we can actually desire something greater, his kingdom. Um, so here's what I want to do as we kind of close, is um, I love, this is one of my favorite letters, actually, but um, Paul does this in a lot of his letters. Again, he's, he's writing to Christians, right? So these are people who believe in, in Jesus. Now, there are a handful of people in there, um, and he even talks about them in this passage of, hey, if, if you've believed, like, it's Jesus plus this, you've believed a false gospel, and, and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus. Like, if you've given yourself to that, but there's some people who have been led kind of that direction, He's saying, no, 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 remember your hope. Remember the gospel. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Live into that freedom. This morning, what I want to do is I want, in, in, your, in your mind, I want you to think about uh, these freedoms, these things that Jesus has set us free from. These are facts. These are truth, right? If you are in Christ, you are set free from these things. There's no conjecture. But which of, which of these areas are you most enslaved or acting enslaved to still? Is there an area of your life that, or is one of these areas uh, the place where Jesus has blown the door off the jail cell, but you are holding, you're clinging to the bench. You're clinging to the jail cell. Maybe you like being there. Maybe there's security there. Maybe, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different things. And this morning, I just want you to do what Paul calls the Galatians to do, is to remember the gospel. Remember the good news that Jesus has set you free and that he is way more valuable than anything on this earth. He has set you free. He has blown the doors off and that he has full, joyful freedom in his hands. That there is so much more joy and more freedom at the feet of Jesus than anywhere else. And so I want to pray for us in that. Um, I'm going to pray for us. And then um, after that, we're going to take communion. But after that, uh, we're going to have some people up front as we sing. And man, my, my hope is that you would be honest with yourself about these things. And that you'd come up and just say, hey, I, I need you to pray for me because this area of my life, I see that, that I'm enslaved to these things and there's lack of joy. And I'm actually even mad at God. But now I'm realizing like, oh, I, I am, I, I, there's no reason that I need to be here because Jesus has set me free. Can you just pray for me? Maybe you see one of those lives. Would you just come up and receive prayer or whatever you need to receive prayer for, come up and receive it. But I'm gonna pray for us. First, we'll take communion and then, and then you can do that. So you have a few minutes to think about it as well. God, I thank you, uh, Lord, that you are, you are so good to us. God, that you, you've done everything. You've taken our debt with its legal demands of everything and you have nailed it to the cross of Christ. And 
in him, in him alone, we can be free. We can have joyful freedom for the rest of our lives and for eternity in you. Spirit, I pray that you would uh, convict our hearts of that. Convict us of the areas that we have not, uh, that we've kind of slipped into, back into slavery. But God, I pray that you'd also convict our hearts of the righteousness that you have given to us. That we can, in this moment, turn towards you and know that you have paid for the sin. You have paid for it. And that your face towards us is delight and joy and excitement.